0: Jessica Dumas coaching and training and the confidence and communication podcast is overflowing with appreciation to our first podcast sponsor, the Johnston group Inc. The Johnston group provides employee benefits to more than 30,000 businesses across Canada. Thank you so much for supporting my vision and investing in the podcast. Please accept my extreme gratitude, which will help get the message of self-love healing and growth out to a greater audience. Hey friends, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming back here. I have a guest that I'm going to tell you all about in a second. She's super cool. I'm so excited to share this with you. And it just makes me reflect on, again, the opportunity for me to have a podcast. I know that I say that all the time that I'm so thankful for you being here. I'm thankful for having a podcast, but. One of the things that has been really great for me throughout my career, particularly in the last 10 years, maybe longer, but I've had opportunities to meet so many incredible people and you know, because you listen, like I like to ask questions about like, where did that really come from? What does that mean to you? You know, tell me about the struggle and how you overcame it because I believe that those stories are the most Relatable, they're the most engaging because we as individuals, there's always something that we're trying to overcome. And often we feel like we're the only ones that are struggling with a thing. And when we can hear other people share and express that they are also having a challenge, then it helps normalize it for us because we look at ourselves and we think about all of the challenges, all of the times that we have failed, we look at everything within us as a human being all of it we judge ourselves so harshly but when we look at others we just see them from the outside and we don't see all of their struggle we don't see all the times that they failed or all of the times that they feel guilty about something and so that's why I like to have these deep conversations to really open that up to normalize that yeah we all have stuff that we're dealing with so two years ago When I had the opportunity to start a podcast, I was like, you know what, for 10 years I've been having such incredible conversations and I really want to be able to share them with people and there's such a thing as podcasts and now I get to do that. So I'm going to introduce my guest in a moment. I did want to start out by saying that my Speaking Up group program is open for enrollment right now. It closes on January 12th. This is a four-month speaking program. And if you're in this program, you will learn how to market yourself, how to clarify your talks and your messages, how to be speaker-ready and get paid to speak. So I'm looking for six people who will learn how to market yourself, command a room, increase speaking opportunities and get paid to speak. Because when you clarify your speaking offers and you learn to see the value in what you're providing others with your voice, you will confidently showcase what you are an expert in and will stop second guessing and worrying about what others think. So this is open for enrollment right now and January 12 it closes for four months. So check it out jessicadumas.ca you know how to reach me. So now I will introduce my guest. Her name is Samantha Rayburn Trubick. Her pronouns are she her. She lives in Winnipeg, Manitoba with her husband Ryan and her son Yale. Samantha and Yale were born with a chondroplasia, a form of dwarfism. Samantha holds a master's degree in disability studies and a BA degree from the University of Manitoba where she majored in labor and workforce studies and an adult learning certificate specializing in workplace learning from the University of Calgary. Samantha's worked in human resources for over 20 years. Her full bio is going to be in the show notes. Samantha is a wonderful person. I've only met her twice in person. I'm so honored to know her. Thank you, Samantha, for being so open with your story and with your experience and for helping us, everybody who's listening and anyone who will listen, learn how to make a more accessible world for everyone because that's what we want. That's what's fun. So thank you so much. Thanks for being here. I hope that you enjoy this show and talk to you next week. Welcome, Samantha, and thanks so much for taking some time on your birthday to record this podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yay, happy birthday, by the way. (laughs) I wanted to ask you about your experience as a little person, but I'm not sure where to start. And I imagine that that's a really common thing. So I wanted to say that I appreciate that you've decided that this is something that you're open about for your own experience, your own story. So with that question of not knowing where to start, and probably having heard that many times in your life, where would you like to start?
1: You know, that's a great question. And you're right, I have heard that a lot. This could be a five hour podcast. (laughs) (laughs) My experience as a little person has been all of the feels, you know, fantastic, hurtful, joyful, amazing, all of it, right? It's the full, the full gauntlet of life. And something that I was born with, I was born with a form of a dwarfism called achondroplasia, which is the most common form of dwarfism. My son also was born with achondroplasia. And I've had it my whole life. So I don't know anything different. I had the world's greatest parents. My mother's still alive. So I still have the world's greatest mother. And they brought me up in a way where I was taught that I could do anything and anything that I set my mind to, they would support me through it all. And so I'm very grateful for that because not Everyone has that same experience. And, you know, I was never allowed to play the victim, even though I'd want to play that card sometimes, but they never let me. And I thank them for that. And I thank them for teaching me about advocacy very early on in my life. And I think it's led me to a life of advocacy and to being the president of Little People of Manitoba, the advocacy director of Little People of America. My experience has been great and wonderful and hard and I truly believe that my life is here to teach others how to advocate and how to be themselves and be comfortable in their own skin. And so, you know, when I hear that question that you asked, and like I mentioned, it's not the first time I've heard it, I am completely comfortable with any question. and I'm completely comfortable with being open and honest and vulnerable because I really want people to learn how to love themselves and be comfortable in their own skin as they go through their own life, whatever that may be.
0: Right. I love that. What a beautiful answer. And I love how in your response, one of the last things you said was, you want people to learn how to love themselves. And it really takes someone who loves themselves to be able to say that. So you talked about learning about advocacy when you were young, from your mom, from your parents, and not being allowed to be the victim. So what does that mean to you?
1: Like, I was never allowed to say I couldn't do something because, I mean, unless it was real medical related. I was never allowed to say I couldn't do something because of my disability. You know, it would kind of call me out on my BS a little bit if I, you know, wanted to be a little bit lazy or wanted to, you know, play that, that card a bit. You know, they always just taught me that I could do anything I set my mind to. I always had to be conscious of the fact that my mom... I might say, look at that snowboarder. That looks really cool. And then all of a sudden, I would get a snowboard and snowboard lessons. <laughs> <laughs> so I always had. I remember I said, oh, uh, golf seems really fun, and it was just. Kind of spur of the moment, and all of a sudden, I had t- 10 golf lessons like presented. The
0: best mom in the world. Oh my God.
1: That's so and sweet. It was super sweet because she always wanted me to feel included and she always wanted to make sure that I could do what my friends were doing, and as long as it was again safe and, and medically safe for me. But, but we yeah, she to, never wanted to me to, to feel left out. Sorry.
0: We need to do a podcast with her on how to be the best mother in the world. That's
1: so oh, She's a badass lady. She is That's so nice. freaking cool. Yeah.
0: Way to go, mom. That's yeah. that's amazing to be able to just recognize she wanted you to have resilience. She wanted yeah. you to say, I could do whatever I want. It doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. She, she's incredible. I mean, just a badass.
0: That's incredible. So when was the first time that you had to advocate for yourself?
1: I'm sure there's like times that I'm not recalling, especially growing up. But I think advocacy for me comes every single day and it just could be... As in your face as the stares that you receive every single day, or as in your face as the comments that you get. So I think advocacy, first of all, is a definition, and it's super broad spectrum. So the first time I advocated for myself was probably in grade school, and I can recall a situation where somebody who I had thought was a friend of mine—I mean, and keep in mind we're kids—had had you know pointed and laughed and said, "Sammy is a midget. Sammy's a midget." And this is a kid that, you know, our parents were friends and they were playing dominoes together the night before while we all played at their house. And so I remember that instance actually being really significant in my life to the point where, A, I was made to feel different from a friend of mine and B, having to stand up for myself and say, you know, that's not OK. That doesn't feel right. At the time, I don't, I don't you know, I wouldn't have called it advocacy, but I would have called it standing up for my truth. And having to kind of figure out how to navigate that situation. And I was probably like eight years old. It wasn't, I wasn't very old at all. Right. So that's probably, it's a significant memory. And I would say probably one of the first, but I'm sure there was times before that. Mm -hmm. I definitely became more comfortable in my skin when I became a mother of a child with a disability or a child with dwarfism. I know that my advocacy definitely turned up a notch when Yale was born. Mm-hmm. And so that was a whole different set of, it was a different set of comments that I was getting. It was a different set of stares I was getting. It was a different set of everything and having to look at the world differently from when you're not a mother, you know, protecting your child to being a mother and being somebody who's bringing a child with a disability into the world is two different things.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You've been recognized by some really great people and great groups in Manitoba for your work. What is the work that you're most proud of?
1: So I, uh, as president of Little People of Manitoba, we've done a few really cool things. So the first thing was in 2017, we advocated with Dr. John Gerard and Shandy Strong, and they put forth a bill for us that would make October 25th of every year Dwarfism Awareness Day in the province of Manitoba. That was a big step for us because we really weren't a known well-known, I should say, group before that. And we thought that creating this day would give us the platform and the knowledge to kind of take our message further. So we were lucky enough that all three government parties unanimously voted for that day. And it's all thanks to, you know, Dr. John Gerard. And so starting in 2018, that was our first annual Dwarfism Awareness Day in Manitoba. And we were the first province in Canada to have this day. From there, and I think it was around 2019, we, together with Sport Manitoba, we were able to advocate and lobby all of the sport organizations in Manitoba to remove the term midget from their sports uh, wording. So it was often used as a classification for age. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from that, Hockey Canada actually followed suit. So that was a huge, huge win for our, no pun intended, but a huge win for us. And so I think that was pretty cool
0: congratulations on that yeah my kids played football so going through the you know whatever the football program is called in manitoba i remember and i can't remember what age it was where they are on the midget team and for someone like me like it's never been a part of my life right i've never met a little person and so When you told me that, I was like, wow, that's, I can totally make sense. There's a lot of sports teams Mm -hmm. where the past, you know, 10 years have changed their logos or their names as a result to racism towards Indigenous. So makes total sense. And that's such a, such an important job that you did.
1: Yeah, it was, it was cool. It was hard. And that was definitely one of the hardest things I think I've experienced because, like you said, you didn't have a tie to this word, so you didn't think anything of it. It wasn't a big deal, probably. And I was getting messages from people across Canada about how tied to this word they were and how we shouldn't be changing because it's, you know, beloved hockey. And it, it just boggled my mind that people were sending such hateful messages for something that they had no clue about like so something that they had no tie to they didn't understand the hurt they didn't care to understand right um and i and i it's probably it's the same with i'm sure with uh with other sports teams that have wording that's hurtful as well and i think if people take the time to learn and to become allies in things that aren't often associated with their life i think the world will be a much better place because we can make some really great change but that was definitely one of the greatest things that we've done, but one of the hardest things that I've lived through because I took it so personally. I'm somebody that will take things very, very personally. I have to work on it, but um, I was taking these messages so personally and I couldn't figure out a way out of taking it so personally and, and really like letting the words that were being you know skewed at me get to me.
0: Wow. That's huge. Like advocating for yourself and for your son like that's, and again, as like my experience is as an indigenous woman, right? Because I know for you, you have great qualities as a person and as a woman, but just like me, I can't separate my experience right. from being an indigenous woman. You can't separate your experience from being a little person. This is your experience. This is your life. Right. And so when you start to advocate for yourself, I think that you start to like, build up, like, certain resilience. But when you're speaking up for your community, now you're almost, like, without thinking in advance, like, you're putting on this shield for your community, which means you're out in the front. And so all shots are coming at you. Like,
1: that's... yes, that's- and I will take that a step further. And you would know this as a mom. You're trying to teach your kids how to react in the world and how to... And you're portraying an image to your children of one that you're strong and that you're, you know, invincible and that, you know, you're being that role model to your kid. So doing that and then also trying to show my son, yeah, it's worth advocacy is worth it. And look at the change right. we're making and look at the great things. But in the meantime, inside, you're like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I know it's important, but how much more can I take? And yeah. like you're trying to portray, you know, it's like this armor that you're wearing kind of thing.
0: Right. Because it's no, it's no longer just survival, which is the first thing that we're trying to do is just fucking survive. <laughs> and then the bigger part of it is changing systems. And that's fucking huge.
1: And hard. Like I remember, so we made the change and I was so naive at the time and new to all this. And I was just like, okay, we're changed, just done. people are still using this word it's worth what's happening like i I thought we changed it i thought like and and people like to change the system is hard and i don't you know even after what it's 2024 almost so after so many years we're still talking about it and i want to move past eventually talking about like the term midget and why it's so bad and like I, I feel like a broken record at times because it's like, oh my gosh, I've talked about this a million times. Right. Why are people not changing and just coming onto our side? Like, why? Where are all of the allies who should be there? You right.
0: Know? Yeah. So that would be something that you continue to talk about today. Obviously, it was think- basically I something I said. Was where do we start?
1: Yeah. I mean, and and it's fine, but um, I but I look forward to the day where we're talking about, um, like where I get to talk about other things and move the needle further than we've moved it. Like, I feel like the needle should be much further than it is. And that's, you know, my naiveness or naivete. And I guess it's just, it's just what it is.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's like, that's changing a really big old system. Like it really (laughs) is. Right. And
1: and to be honest, this word has been vernacular since uh, PT Barnum. Like, so we're talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years and so like for me like how silly am I to think we made this change it's done when it's like okay like since the freak show era they've been using this word so why would I be so arrogant to think that we've just made this change in a minute
0: yeah that's really interesting it's interesting to like just think about an individual in that place where you're like I did the work. Why isn't it done? And just almost that feeling of, like, defeat again.
1: Exhaustion, I think, is the word. You know, it's... it's is what, sorry? Exhaustion. Exhaustion. Like, exhausted. And um and it's fine, and it's it's what advocacy is at times, for sure, but it's it's tiring. In 2019, we went, just, sorry, in 2020, just before the pandemic, uh, I went down to Dickinson, North Dakota, as a representative for Little People of America. And they, there's a school down there that has the the high school, their mascot is the midget. And I was, you know, I was blown away and, and whatever it is what it is. But we went down Little People of America to try and chat with the school board to make the change to go, okay, like, it's time, let's change this. And the community, there was three of us from LPA, Little People of America. Uh, I was the only little person. And the community came out in hundreds, like, to advocate why they wanted to keep this term and their mascot as the midget. And it was just, like, some gentleman showed up, uh, you know, an older gentleman who was an alum of this school showed up in his proud, you know, football jacket with the term on the back. And I was like, what year is this? Like, what is happening here? And it never changed. They're still called the midgets. Yeah. it's, It's still, it's, there's still a lot of work to do.
0: For sure. And one of the things that I've learned, and I'm wondering how you feel about this statement is, I've learned to have to pick my battles. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. And I have to, and I say that all the time, it could be as easy as it's the day that it is, like, I may go through a situation that I've had a million times. And that day, I just don't want to deal with it. I just can't. Right. I just can't battle that day. I just can't. Or there's a day where I'm like, I'm on fire and I'm taking it on. Right. Um, so it's just about that knowing yourself and knowing, you know, what's in your capacity, what you have, what, you know, in in the disability community, we often talk about spoons and how many spoons you have. And it's based on, you know, it's kind of like an energy level, like, oh, I don't have any spoons today, which means you're kind of depleted. You just need to kind of recharge. Yeah. Um. So, I'm often thinking, okay, like, well, how many spoons do I have today that I can use on this advocacy or this being this kind of advocate? And sometimes there's none. And sometimes I'm just, I got to take a day. I can't.
0: I have a friend that would probably say, How many fucks do I have to give?
1: <laughs> same, same idea. <laughs> right. How many fucks? How many spoons? Whatever. What's energy barometer, you know?
0: I saw this reel this morning on Instagram and it was. Posted by this page that I follow called Universal Guidance. And the content mm-hmm. that I get from that page is sometimes very inspirational and sometimes it's very much just crap. Right. And this morning they reshared from their own page this video that was, it's years old. I've seen the video before on different pages, but it's a little girl who was recently adopted and her mom is recording the video and the girl is I don't know four years old and she's so happy to see her mom recording her but the issue with this particular video is that this little girl along with other kids in the video are wearing these paper headdresses with cutout feathers which is very derogatory and insulting and racist and Everyone in the video is like, "Oh, it's so cute. Look at her loving her mom and blah blah blah." And everyone dismisses the fact that this is a racist post. And they're like, "Well, why can't you just look at the little girl enjoying her her new mom and blah blah blah?" And it's like, "Why don't you stop promoting like racism against indigenous people and and just bypassing it because of a little girl?" Like, this is exactly the problem. Yeah. And even just telling you about it now is getting me all riled up. But I remember the first time I saw it, I decided to make a comment and it was just like, you know, I can't remember. And I usually don't like to do that for for whatever reason I decided to. And then I saw it again this morning and I I just scrolled right by. I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to engage in that today because like you said, these things are exhausting. Yeah. And in order for us to take care of our energy and really get the right things done and we'll know what is, where's the right place for me to put my energy. Right. And so it sounds like that's something that you've. Yeah. done.
1: But to you, like to your story, you know, that's for me now as an ally to you to go and bust that shit. Right. Right? And like, and my goal as an advocate is to bring on allies you know, to the LP community, little people, or the dwarfism community, who can fight these battles for us when we're just tired. Absolutely. When we, can't, when we can't put ourselves out there anymore, because it's just too much that day.
0: Right. How do you find the rally of, you know, having those people come and support you? How how are you finding oh, that?
1: Fantastic. Uh, to be honest, I, I find generally people are amazing. And I have had, you know, great, amazing allies who have stepped up and have really taken the time to learn and taken the time to put their voice out there for us. You know, that story I told in 2019, when we were going through that, it was horrible, but it wasn't the majority of what we got. We got a lot of support. And so I think once people take the time to learn you know, why it's hurtful and take the time to learn how they can be an ally. I, I generally think that our allies are amazing and we've, we're very, very lucky.
0: Oh, that's so great to hear. I'm so happy to hear that. So you mentioned that there were times where people are spewing things to you and you're having to sift through, do I take this personal? What is this about? Um what what has that experience been like for you how did you come out of it basically or what is your
1: so i think it's all ongoing all the time so i don't know if i've come out of it because every time every day there's a new situation or every month whatever so i don't think it's something you ever end mm-hmm. but i think my experience has been interesting i think i've really had to do the work to you know be comfortable in my own skin and to love myself mm-hmm. and i find that once i've put that work in the situations that come and i mean the work is ongoing but the situations that come out of that, that, that the real hurtful situations are the ones for me, not the strangers, not the people that, you know, comment and have their phones, because I they don't know me, I don't know them, it's not personal, right? The stories that have been, or the, the most hurtful things for me have been the people that have been close to me that have um and few and far between betrayed my trust, or it has come out and it's come out where I've been where I've realized. That I have been seen through their eyes as someone who is to be pitied or as someone who is to be victimized or as someone who is to be a token. And that's the stuff that hurts. But that's the stuff that through the work of working on myself and becoming more comfortable in my own skin and to be uh, loving myself more, when you put in that work, that stuff doesn't sting as much but that's definitely the stuff that stings a lot
0: yeah for sure
1: yeah, I think that's the experience and and very few people in my life you know I've had to write off because of that but there have been some for sure
0: right yeah I was just thinking of again my own experience times where I felt imposter syndrome I didn't belong somewhere you know and I can imagine very same experiences for you
1: And I think when I met you the first time, we were at, um, like not on social media, but when in person, we were at um, the Women's Day brunch, I think at the government house. And the imposter syndrome for me in that room was unbearable. I sat in the corner, or I sat at the back, I couldn't believe I was in this room and couldn't understand why I was with these powerful, powerful women, and really cool, influential women. And I couldn't speak. And I was just, the imposter syndrome in my head was probably one of the worst times I've ever experienced it. But imposter syndrome is real. And I experience it all the time. And I'm constantly wondering, what am I doing here? What are we, like, how do I, why am I sitting with here at this table? It doesn't make any sense. And that's the stuff I have to still work through it, you know, and still process and still figure out how to, you know, I say, I talk about loving myself, but that's definitely something where I need to, figure that piece out because it's definitely not a piece of loving myself.
0: That's so interesting to hear you say that. Cause I remember meeting you in person on that day and I still feel, and I've gotten better cause cause I've been to government house for breakfasts and for so many different things, like probably 10 times. And, and the, whoever the um, Lieutenant governor is always knows me and always, you know, says something personal to me, which is a really nice experience. So I find that less and less. But also, I feel like there are probably 95% of the women in that room are probably feeling that. And I would never look at you and think that you might be thinking that or think for any reason that you don't belong. So it's just yeah. so interesting to hear your perspective from what you were feeling in that room that day.
1: Well, and that's the armor we put on, right? Like, uh, and I've been to government House a million times, and I, you know, had a great experience every single time, but it's the armor that you put on to to get yourself through those situations, and the armor that I put on is I am confident, and I am worthy, and all that stuff, but I still feel it inside that I'm going, what am I doing here?
0: Right. I'd like to share something with you that I've recently like, it's, it's something that I've been dealing with for like, maybe the past four years or so. And it's a lot of my imposter syndrome work, a lot of my healing work with coaches that I've worked with. And with clients that I work with, we create our next level version or our higher Mm -hmm. self. And Mm -hmm. for me, one of the most important things to do is to write out Who is that person? And so I have this like higher version of myself. Many people know her. Her name is Jessica Fox. She's a badass. And and she's who I aspire to be every day. And I get to create her. And so through this work, I've also created the imposter version of who I am. And this is the one who complains, who warns me, we shouldn't do that. We don't go here. I, I don't know if you should wear that. I don't know if we should say that, right? She's the one that's always like, people are going to look at you. People are talking about you. People think mm-hmm. you're stupid. That's that version. And and her name is Rachel. And <laughs> I always apologize to all the Rachels. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. But I recently discovered, and then of course they have my inner, my inner child me. And then I recently discovered that I have this. I've never told anybody this before. And here it is on my podcast where I tell everybody everything. (laughs) You're the first one to hear it, Samantha. I have this like adult version of me and it's like the adult unhealed version. And she's the struggling single mom version. Cause I have this whole narrative, this whole story of my years of struggling as a single mom. And so that, that part of me needs validation. And I find that there are times where I can go out and I can be Jessica Fox and I can speak in front of hundreds or thousands of people and speak my mind and feel good about it. But when I leave the stage and I'm no longer in the light, then I sort of become that struggling single mom again. And I'm just like, who, like, who am I? Why would I get that attention? Why would anybody listen to me? So it's sort of like shifting between all of these different versions. Right. But what I've learned recently is I get to be Jessica Fox. I get to leave the building, maybe feeling like that struggling single versions, single mom version of me. But that struggling single version still gets to single mom version still gets to reap the benefits of Jessica Fox.
1: And that single mom version gets to look at Jessica Fox and say, I want to be like her
0: yeah and at the same time I am her yeah and so some of those things is what helps me in like not feeling good enough not feeling like I deserve something not feeling like uh you you know why would someone why would someone pay me thousands of dollars for coaching because they fucking do (laughs) they do it all the fucking time
1: yeah yeah Yeah, I like that no that's great I like that and I like thinking about the you know what, what would be my version of the single the struggling single mom I've never thought of it like that
0: yeah it's yeah something that's come out for me recently and I'm really just enjoying the opportunity to like look at our like my life the times that I've struggled and and realizing if I didn't have to overcome those struggles, I wouldn't have the strengths that I do. And mm-hmm. it's really the healed version of me that can acknowledge that because there's a lot of part of me that's just like, why?
1: Why yeah. did I have to experience
0: all? Why did I why is it me?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine you probably go in and out of the rest of the Jessica Fox, the Rachel, the struggling single mom constantly. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Like,
0: um, yeah, each of them has their own their own you uh, translation of feelings, their own meanings to you know what everything is, and and that's like that's how I cope.
1: You know, mm-hmm. those
0: are sort of the mechanisms that I have I work at every single day to overcome challenging times.
1: Mm-hmm. So when you unwind, who are you unwinding from? Which version of you?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. Who am I unwinding from? I think I'm mostly unwinding from the stress of like, Rachel, and the struggling single mom. Because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the version that I aspire to be that I'm creating that I'm constantly creating and normalizing Mm -hmm. is my highest level version. Mm -hmm. So yeah, what would you say are some of your coping mechanisms or you know what do you do to help soothe yourself as you continue to to do all the things that you got to do
1: Carrie uh, I the think load so. that you carry. <laughs> I think I've had to I do a lot of reading I've been trying to get more into meditation and I definitely go in spurts with it but when I'm great with it and I'm consistent it's fantastic I can find myself heading toward thinking I'm unwinding but not you know whether you call it for myself depression or leading to burnout when I'm, uh, you know, on social media and just scrolling and hours pass and I go, holy cow, I'm going through something right now. I got to snap out of this because I can feel myself getting sucked in to something that's just going to not be great for me and my mental health in the end. So I think the unwinding part varies depending on what I'm going through. Um, but the good unwinding, you know, is is the meditation. I really, really want to be someone that journals, but I just can't be that person. I struggle. (laughs) I try. I read the books, and I'm like, "Well, this seems so simple. I should be able to." And I do it for a day. I'm like, "Okay," and then second day, and then I'm just like, I'm "I'm sitting at a blank page. I don't know what to do anymore." Yeah. So I feel like journaling would be great, but I don't know if it's for me. But you know, it's just it ebbs and flows. What I choose to unwind with.
0: Right. Yeah. Maybe some good prompts. Maybe I can help you with that if you're interested. (laughs) So so one of the things in your bio that you shared was Samantha has one goal in life to break as many barriers as possible. Yeah. What is your next barrier that you're working on breaking?
1: There's some cool barrier. There's some cool things that I'm uh, hoping will come. Well, I know will come to fruition. We're working with some amazing medical or some amazing doctors here in Winnipeg. There's a couple who are passionate about the LP community as we are. And it looks like, um, and I don't want to jinx it ahead of time, but we may be working on getting a a, a clinic for skeletal dysplasia patients, which would be huge here. We don't have anything like that here. So that would be amazing and something that would be just incredible for our community and for Winnipeg, I think, because it could be more like a hub. I want to write a book and I'm kind of putting the gears in motion to do that. I want to do more, you know, public speaking, motivational speaking and see where that leads me. I'm somebody that I'm not afraid of change at all. And I kind of go with the flow. So whatever the next opportunity that presents, that's what we're going to do. And so what I've found in life is as much as I want to plan or manifest or whatever it is, there's things that come that I just was never expecting. And it's the greatest thing ever. And so wherever life takes me is where I'm going to break the next barrier.
0: Amazing. Well, I wish you all the best in everything that you do. I want to invite people to check out little people of Manitoba on their website to learn more. And also Sam can be found on LinkedIn at Samantha Rayburn. And Sam Truburn on TikTok. S-A-M-T-R-U-B-U-R-N.
1: Yeah, I'm not as active on TikTok, but I will be
0: okay sounds good thanks so much samantha thanks
1: for having me this was great thanks so much
0: for being here and listening to the podcast miigwetch ecose merci i want to take every opportunity that i can to tell you that you are worthy and if something in this message resonated with you please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and send a link to your sister your best friends and your cousins because if there was something in this message that resonated then they might want to hear about it too If maybe taking a screenshot is your thing, share it on your Instagram story and don't forget to tag me at jesskadumas.ca.